This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Dad, welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Let's start with a hearted congratulations to Phil Kessel. 990 consecutive games played in the National Hockey League. And what does he do? He goes out there and he scores the first goal of the game. That was pretty cool as the Golden Knights beat the Sharks 4-2. to Yeah, I argue with Michael Kay on the show all the time. I remember having this argument back when Doug Jarvis had the record at 964 and going over the Ironman streaks in every sport. And you put football aside because they don't play as many games. And like, where would the NHL? Shells rank among Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken played over, what was it, 2,300 consecutive games. So you look at that number and you say, well, come on, it's Ripken. Look how many games he played in a row. But if you really take a deeper dive and how much more physically demanding hockey is than baseball on a given day. Now, obviously, they play a lot more games and they play back-to-backs and all that. But you're standing at shortstop and you're not skating. But even more than that, even if you wanted to say, listen, standing there and and playing at a high level like Cal Ripken, and, and you could certainly make the case that Cal Ripken was a better shortstop than Phil Kessel has been a forward in the National Hockey League, but there's still time for Phil Kessel to add to his numbers and who knows, maybe reach the Hall of Fame someday, but he's not at the level of Cal Ripken Jr. to play at that level for that consistent a period of time, but I kind of mentioned this on the podcast back on Monday. Think of how many different ways you can get hurt in an NHL game. You're skating on ice with skates, with sticks, with pucks getting blasted 90 miles per hour, and you see guys that are the toughest guys in sports. You take a puck to the eye, suffer a concussion, orbital bone. You could be out a couple of weeks. Skate comes up, cuts you, laceration on your knee. You're out a couple of weeks. You know, stick comes up, smashes you in the face. You might miss a game or two. So, yeah, a lot of luck's involved that Kessel hasn't had that issue, but it's pretty awesome. You can't tell me that he's been 100% every game that he's played for his entire NHL career, and he's been able to make it work on several teams. So, pretty cool uh, thing last night. And, you know, watching the game on ESPN, and, and Leah Hextall made the point, you know, he's still still pretty young. I mean, this is not some guy at the end of his career just trying to hang on. When you look at it, like Keith Yandel, like you can make the case Keith Yandel wasn't really should not have been in the lineup at times. He was clearly towards the end of his career. Heck, after he broke the record, he was benched and then eventually uh, just retired at the end of the season. He was clearly at the end of the rope there when he finally broke that record. But, you know, Kessel is still, he's still a very young dude, man. He can be around this league for a long time and you, you really just be, can really wonder. He's 35 years old. So, and again, no major injuries really to speak of. He's still a fairly productive player. Uh, when you look at his career, what he was able to do last year in Arizona, 52 points. You know, played every one of the 56 games, obviously, the year before that at 43 points. You know, he's a long way away from his 92 points he had in Pittsburgh back in 17-18. But could he play another four or five years and play at a high level and play every game to where we're talking about, you know, 1,200, 1,300, maybe 1,400 consecutive games played? Could be pretty cool. So congratulations uh, to Kessel. Other uh, observations from last night, getting to do the pre and post for the Rangers and the Avalanche, and that was a fun game. It really was. Shots on both sides. You feel good for Alexander Georgiev, even if you're a Ranger fan. Now, I know he was kind of disappointed the way things went with the Rangers, really felt he would be given more of an opportunity after Hank retired to be the number one, but obviously the Rangers got it right by having Shesterkin be that number one goaltender. 
and the Rangers traded him to Colorado. He gets a three-year contract, and now he's got a chance to win a Stanley Cup, and I'm not surprised how well he's done there, and he's not going to be asked to do all that much because you can afford to give up a couple of goals with that team. When they get Landeskog back healthy, and you look at McCarr and Rantanen and McKinnon, boy, that's a really good, fun hockey team. Nakushkin has been amazing, too. He's got seven goals on the year. Five of them have come on the power play, so that Colorado team is amazing. So the Rangers disappointed that they weren't able to get the extra point, but Fox had a great tally on a feed from VC. Uh, the Rangers hung in there, had a ton of shots on goal too. Finally played a complete third period, something that they really hadn't done since opening night against Tampa. Shesterkin was good as well, kind of a fluky play in the corner where he couldn't play the puck outside the trapezoid, and Cogliano was able to steal it away, and that led to the shorthanded goal. But the Rangers fought back to tie the game, and then once you get to the shootout, let's face it, it's a skills competition, and Rodriguez gets the game winner, and the Avalanche get the nod, but a fun game that I was glad that it was on ESPN, glad that it was displayed around the nation, and if that's the first hockey game you saw, you were definitely entertained by that. The Devils are a strange team to me because I, I still don't know exactly how good they are. I'm not in love with their goaltending. Their blue line's got a long way to go. But talking to people around the league, and I remember having a conversation with um, Chris Kreider at a golfing event before the season, he was just talking about their speed. And that's what you hear from everybody. It's fast, fast, fast team. You know, Brad, a couple of goals last night. Hughes, Heashier's now healthy. Mercer is one of the more underrated players in the league. You'd like to see what would happen when things finally come together for them. And... I just kind of wish, even though I'm a Lindy Ruff fan, that maybe the right coach can bring this all together for them. And the right goaltender, because I don't know if Blackwood is the guy to lead them. But kind of really interested to see where this team is going to end up, because I I don't want to start talking Colorado, but if you look at the Avalanche, I remember it was New Year's Eve 16 going into 17. And Landeskog was there, but nobody else was there. And I was calling a game for the Rangers, and you know the building was half empty, and the Avalanche were awful. And I was like, when is it going to start coming together? When are these young players going to start coming together? And then they add McKinnon, they add Rantanen and McCarr, and you start to see them begin to grow and become better players. And after a couple of disappointments in the postseason, now they're Stanley Cup champions. And really have done it without having a goaltender of any significance, really. So maybe sometimes you can overcome uh, having average goaltending if you can go out there and score. So it's a lot to put on these kids to become what Colorado's become. But I watch New Jersey now and I see the avalanche from five, six years ago. And maybe it just takes that Jared Bednar type to come in and put it all together for them. So we'll see if that actually uh, takes place or not. Good win for the Blackhawks. They double up the Panthers by the final score of four to two. They got the band back together last night as both Kane and Taves score goals. Uh, Penguins are having a tough time out in Western Canada. Lose back-to-back days. They fell to Edmonton and to the Flames. The Calgary, despite their losses of Goudreau and Kachuk, they go out and get Huberto, and he scored again last night. Kadri's been a great addition for them. Calgary, I don't think, is going to miss a beat. I had picked Edmonton to win that division, but already, just a couple of weeks into the season, I might be regretting that decision just because of the fact that I think the Flames have really, really put it together. That's a fun team and well-coached. Goaltending has been very, very good. So I think... uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot of the Western Canada, Calgary, and Edmonton at the top of that division. And right now, you probably give Calgary the edge. 
It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk to you on Twitter, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. So let's dive into the tweets right now and see what you guys are talking about on the social media. Let's start with David Hine. He says, Don, glad to have the top 50 podcast in every country back. And hashtag no Michael K, which was epic rant this summer, by the way. Although it's early in both one, the wild and the crack and goaltending is concerning. Of the two, which is more alarming and which will stabilize? Well, I, I got to think the wild. I know Mark andre Fleury's up there, but Mark andre Andre Fleury, to me, is the man. Uh, I, I I think it'll take some time for him to to get his bearings. I know when I did that game up in Minnesota, there was a lot of expectation around the Wild that they were going to have a big season, and a lot of the reasons for that is because they think they've got themselves a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury. So if you ask me what team is more likely to turn it around with their goaltending, then I would probably have to say it's going to be Minnesota. Now, Seattle's got a ton of guys to choose from. Last night it was Mark Jones. Grubauer is there as well. But can any of them say that they've got the pedigree that Marc-Andre Fleury has? I don't think so. Michael TV says, does Barzell need to score 25 to 30 goals for the Islanders to contend? He has zero thus far. Absolutely. This Islanders team, and I'm going to call the game tonight, Rangers and Islanders over at UBS. And can I just say this before I forget? What an absolute travesty it is. They're one of the best rivalries in the sport, Rangers-Islanders. The Rangers are going to play them just three times this year because of the rotation with the extra teams coming in with Vegas and Seattle, specifically Seattle, that there's one team in your division you only play three times. Last year, the Rangers played Columbus three times. This year, it's the Islanders. And just because of circumstances, they get one visit to UBS. That's it. Uh, it just seems strange to me. I know I know you want to came, have every team come into your building, but you get a great rivalry like that, and so the Rangers or the Devils or the Islanders or the Flyers or the Pittsburgh Penguins can play the Columbus Blue Jackets an extra time. When you have those natural rivals, there should never be a situation ever that the Islanders and Rangers play three times. That, they, that, should, that rotation should skip, kind of like what they do in baseball where the Yankees and the Mets will always play a minimum of four times, even though it may not be in the rotation for them to play that many times if the East teams aren't playing each other in that year's um, interleague play because they understand the rivalry and the importance of those teams playing more than just once every couple of years. So it just seems ridiculous that they're only playing three times. But to answer your question, this is a limited offensive team. And when I look at the players, uh, Palmieri's a nice player. Parisi's a nice player. They've got a lot of nice players on their team. Lee, I think, can be a star but the difference maker, the guy that really pops, that's Barzell. Special player. Whenever I call his games, I need to know where he's on the ice. He flies, he dangles, he does all the things he needs to do. Where are they getting their goals from if they're not going to get at least 30 from him? He's got the contract. You'd like to see him. Now, just because you pay a guy doesn't mean it's automatically going to translate in the box score every single night, but a team that's limited offensively already. Now, they'll get the goaltending, and they'll put together a style of play that'll make it difficult to score, but take a look at this league. We talked about it with EJ on Monday. Uh, Save percentage is around 900 this year. Goals are flying all over the place. Teams are getting creative. They're using their speed. It's the way the game is played right now. More shots on goal than ever before. Teams can consistently getting 30, 35, 40 shots, 45 shots on goal. Last night in that Ranger-Avalanche game, I would not say that the Rangers and the Avalanche are limited defensive teams. They're not, but yet they both uh, put up uh, an inordinate amount of shots. That's how the game's played right now, and I know Lou likes to make it like the old devils with the with the trap and to squelch the excitement and fun out of the game and win 2-1, to one, and that works to a certain extent. Certainly in the playoffs it works. 
but Monday through Sunday during the regular season with some of the skill that's in this sport, you got to be able to keep up. So to answer your question without question, he needs to score north of 30. James says, do you think Kako gets moved from back to playing with the kid line at some point, or is it more logical to think he stays on the first line? I like him there on the first line. I mean, the Rangers' limitations are at right wing. And they believe Kako can become a star. And when he does get there, if he does get there, he's a first-line player. And you talk about putting the kid line together, well, Heedle's out again. So I'd keep him at the first line for now. Maybe you can kind of move things around at some point. But if there is a limitation to this Rangers roster, it's certainly on the right side. But that can change if Kako starts to play better. I like him on the top line. Yankees and Penguins says, Hey, Don, do you think that Barry Trotz will be coaching somewhere soon? NHL.com had an article about you know when he'll be back. I, I think he will be coaching soon. I thought maybe he'd get the gig in Winnipeg because that's where he's from. Uh, Rick Bonus does not seem like a guy that's going to be there forever. I do think that Barry wants to pick a spot where he's got a chance to win, where he can buy some of the groceries as well. So I don't think it'll happen this year unless you see a good team let their coach go. And I don't know off the top of my head is like, I, I, let me just give you an example, although I don't think this will happen. Because Jay's done a good job there in Edmonton. But let's just say Edmonton gets off to a really slow start and they decide to make a change. Would, would Barry come in? Is Barry a fit there with all their offensive weapons? I, I don't know. He's too good of a mind, too good of a player, uh, a player's co- a coach, to not uh, get another opportunity. Courtney says, hi, Don. The Canucks cannot seem to get anything going from them, and they are still winless. How long before you start to push the panic button? Also, much better effort from the Rangers last night, even though they got the loss. Yes, we covered that with the Rangers. Now, the Canucks, only team in the NHL not to win yet. Bruce Boudreaux had such a positive impact the second he got there last year, but it just seems like it's not really connecting. You wondered if JT Miller was going to have the same year you know goaltending is always kind of a question but uh panic button yeah i mean that 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 division you know you look at calgary you look at edmonton i i don't think you know vegas is better than people thought they were going to be certainly i did they've won what six of their first eight games you could dig yourself a hole so then it just becomes a case of well you're not going to be one of the top three teams in your division and when you look how good the central is yeah I, I think I think you'd have to really, really start uh, panicking for sure. Shining Wizards Kevin says, I don't think you've done a show since Andy Green retired. What are your overall thoughts of his career? Such a gamer. Um, you know, Loved him in New Jersey and, of course, getting that second life for the Islanders. And when I look at him, I look at a guy that overcame so much, not a ton of skill, but just a great leader and just a, the quintessential hockey player. And, boy, he was just fun to kind of get to know and to see. And, again, he didn't score a ton of goals, and he was your stay-at-home defenseman, but he had a chance to captain some really good teams, and uh, he's a good player. And I'm glad, glad he got that bit of a resurgence with the Islanders and a chance to compete uh, to get that elusive Stanley Cup. He didn't get it, but uh, you know, a tremendous career, and I'm glad that you uh, allowed me to acknowledge that. Tommy Lasagna 2.0 says, Kreider has been pretty much invisible through the first seven games of the season. What do you think about putting him in the bottom six to light a fire under him? I don't think it's a case of, you know, I know sometimes in the past Kreider was, uh, had, had, had the pension to disappear and, and, and just not seem to be at the top of his game every single night. I don't want to break up that top line. I want him playing with Zibanejad. You saw last night, there was a deflection. He thought he scored the goal. It kind of went under Georgiev. He raised his arms. That's a goal that goes in last year. You know, when you go from scoring 28 goals to 52, you have to acknowledge, yes, you're improved. Yes, you're a better player. But maybe, just maybe, a few of those goals... Might have been a little lucky, and maybe God was on your side for some of them. And I think we all went into the year figuring, all right, he's not going to score 52 again, but is he going to go under 40? 
And right now, through the first seven, it kind of feels like he may be under 40. But it's, again, it's just seven games, um, so I wouldn't get too overly concerned. I wouldn't break it up. I like I like what they're doing there. He's, he's a guy that gets most of his goals on deflections, working hard in front. And I think we all know that sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't in those situations. And last year, it was amazing how everything seemed to go in for him. What do you have, 26, 27 power play goals? Incredible. So um, I wouldn't get too crazy for him just yet. Uh, Joseph G says, season is underway and has been great. Which new player to a team do you think has had the most impact? Also, what are your concerns now that the Rangers have dropped another game? Do the Rangers bounce back tonight? You know, tonight's a tough spot because... You know, it's a second of back-to-backs. It's an emotional game, uh, a rivalry, all that. But you know, they got off to the great start with the three-one win against Tampa, the seven-three win against Minnesota. But they've kind of come back down to earth again. I'm not concerned about them, but tonight it's a tough night. Now they did win both games on Long Island last year, so maybe there's a, maybe they got a number there that's going to work for them. As far as like a player that's had an immediate impact on a new team, and I, and I realize he had been there last year, but we didn't really pay much attention to it because. The Buffalo was awful. Was you know Tuck's addition with the Sabers has just been amazing. He has been a terrific player for them. Huberto in Calgary, I think has been uh, very good. Those are the ones off the top of my head. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that um, you know Fiala in L.A. Still a little early to determine where that's been. Uh, Stroman Vitrano really nothing much in Anaheim. Um, I think Gaudreau's been good in Columbus, although they haven't won a ton of games yet. But he's off to a, a, a pretty good start there. So those are some of the things that kind of just popped into my head as far as uh, new players in, in new. Um, new spaces so far early in the season, but it is still very, very early. This is an interesting one from Jeff. As much as we love Ryan Reeves, he's basically a non-factor at this point. When does the team call up Will Cully to fulfill another enforcer role? It's such a difficult spot because it's a fourth line, and your fourth line is supposed to set the tone, but he's a police officer, and he's so good at fighting, nobody wants to fight him so the Rangers don't get pushed around. So, But you look from a statistical standpoint, you say, do we really need him? He doesn't produce a lot offensively, doesn't play a lot of time, he doesn't play any special teams. But I'm telling you, the second that he's gone, you're going to miss him. Now, at some point, do you move on? And if Cully turns out to be a more skilled player, but I don't think there's anything on the radar right now that that's somebody that is going to eventually join this team. But I, I, I granted, I, I understand your frustration. I think he's a nice player. I think he's a he's a good guy. He's good in a room. I think the players love him. But his impact isn't sensed in the box score. And to the average fan sitting there buying a ticket, you don't sense it. But I'm just telling you, from the character in the room, for what he does policing the ice, yeah, the second that he's gone, I think the demeanor of the Rangers and the way the Rangers get treated by op- the opposition would change dramatically. All right, so games tonight in the National Hockey League, just the three. I'll be on the call, Rangers and Islanders from Belmont. That game can be heard on 10.50 a.m. ESPN New York, 7.30 face-off. Stan Fischler is going to be honored before the game. The press box at UBS will be named in his honor. If you're a hockey fan, you know, especially in the New York metropolitan area, you're very familiar with Sam. He's a legend, and I'm so glad that he's going to get recognized, um, Stan, for what he's been able to accomplish, and uh, good for him. Oilers and the Blues from St. Louis at 8 o'clock, and then Tampa, under 500, kind of a strange start for them. They'll be in Anaheim against the Ducks. Those are the three games. All right, Friday, we'll be back. We'll have our first top five of the year. Want to hear from you at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for everybody for participating today. Thanks for Anthony Pusick for producing. Talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.